Hi, and welcome to the Property Mom podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Shade. She's an architect with DevSpace. And today's episode really unpacks what it is like to be a black woman in the industry. So in property, you come across um, different personality types and Whilst you don't really walk into, really don't experience people sort of in your face racism, um, we definitely have our own share of stories to tell of how uh, we kind of felt excluded or just didn't feel like we were part of the in club. Um, Now, whether that's down to us and our attitudes or if that's down to, you know, other people, well, that's something to be discussed. And we will be delving into it and just finding out a bit more about how she got into architecture. And it's it's a relaxed episode. It's, you know, it's just a discussion about being black and operating in the property industry. So enjoy. Shade, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dolapo. Thank you for welcoming me. I wanted to find out a bit more about your journey. So how did you choose architecture? How I ended up in architecture really started with a work experience that I had um, when I was the age of 15. It was set up by my school. It was a, a two weeks work experience with a local authority. Okay. And to be honest, I actually didn't want the work experience. Um, I wanted to go into a graphic design studio. I got to work in the studio doing creative drawings and also to go on site to see social housing. So for me, that was it. I could see the impact that architecture had. So, um, so basically you went into architecture because you could see the impact that it would have. So what kind of work have you done since then? I mean, before, before setting on my own, obviously there's a long journey of training of going to university and, you know, um, crafting the skills of um, spaces, designing for people and working with project brief. So um, before starting my practice, I worked for a couple of practices in between and worked on projects like residential and offices and refurbishments and new builds. So they really sort of inspired me to go off and set off on my own. Yeah. And, and so you set up on your own and this is Deaf Space, um, originally called... Yes, it used to be called Shadi Abdul Architecture. Okay, and then you've now rebranded into Depth Space. And um, I'm interested, so in light of everything that we've been through with, you know, what's been happening in the U.S., where I wanted to talk about our experiences as women in property, especially Black women in property, in the property space, right? And I always say that I sort of lived in a bubble where I've not been completely exposed to racism on a on sort of a, a major scale. You know, just the way our upbringing was in Africa, in Nigeria, and then, you know, the exposure we had at home and then moving over here straight into school, definitely some microaggressions, which is a term that has been sort of been going around, but not like in your face. I've never experienced that. But as a black woman in property and in investing, I've definitely come across some difficulties in dealing with you know, it's a very male-dominated environment, right? So you, as an architect within that space, 
how has your own, what sort of challenges have you experienced? I think for me, going to the architectural education, I immediately felt that I needed to fit in. So it's like, if you can imagine someone that's grown up in East London, and then mm-hmm. suddenly you're in Canterbury, and you're meeting people, you're one of two black students in the year. Yeah. Um, and you are meeting people from different European countries and also people that have grown up, you know, not in London, outside London, Cambridge, mm-hmm. wherever. So there was just this immediate psychological sort of need to, to fit in with the yeah. rest and not be the one, the odd one out, as yeah. it were. And I sort of carried through. Um, I was lucky that my degree was actually fairly... Um, it felt, even though it wasn't really diverse, mm-hmm. I had great tutors that made the course very um, enjoyable. Okay. I got to do an Erasmus for five months. I went to France. That was great. But I would say, in architecture, you do three parts. So you do the degree and then you do the diploma. Mm-hmm. My diploma, which is in London, <laughs> in a sort of well-known school, that yeah. was a bit tricky. That really felt like I didn't feel that I belonged. Yeah. Um, I was for the first time aware that maybe I'm coming up against a gatekeeper that could have an influence mm. on whether I go ahead or not. Yeah. So I was starting to feel the microaggressions, I would say, um, around the fifth year of study. And okay. then when I started to work um, for, I placed my diploma when I started to, to work um, professionally, I also mm-hmm. felt it. Um, I felt that I was surrounded by people who were perhaps middle class, um, yeah, but um, had different education, educational background. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was tricky. I think these experiences maybe came together to influence me starting up on my own mm. because I, I've always had that. Anyways, I, I've got you know in my family they're very strong women. They just sort of narrow. Yeah. yeah, they do their own thing. Okay. So I think that's always been there. But I think there might have been an additional push to okay. kind of realize that I need to kind of chart my own direction. Okay. So from that experience, you started to get that sense of, wow, I must be, I'm, I'm different in a way, right? And of course, we've all had those experiences where you just felt like, I'm not quite in the in club, right? There seems to be like this click and I'm not quite in there, you know, you're just kind of on the outside. So it's not like there's anything wrong. It's like, they're not treating you badly. They're not saying things to you, but you're just not in, in with, you know, the core group. And that feeling on its own, you know, it has a way of impacting you, isn't it? So, um, so what sort of, so in light of everything that's gone on, there's definitely been a heightened awareness, you know, because of the protests and everything, even the fact that we have embodied it as well over here, in the UK to kind of let our voices be heard, you know, and that's part of why even it was important for me to do this podcast is our voices need to be heard concerning this issue even more and more. And it's very important. So are you aware of any initiatives? Cause I know lots of people have been talking about sort of putting things in place to make sure that our voices are heard, that black lives are mattering in a sense. So not just from a sort of not dying anymore experience, but more from like a financial empowerment perspective. So do you, do you know of any initiatives that are sort of being proposed? A, a, a group led by four amazing women 
um, called Black Females in Architecture. And that's really amazing because it allows, it's basically a group for all levels Mm -hmm. in the profession. Um, So I think they've got more than 200 members now. And it's basically a way where um, students that may be facing some of the challenges that I brought up can Mm -hmm. have, you know, can approach to manage those microaggressions, let's say, Mm -hmm. and how to just, yeah, how to get through the course and and any issues that they might have. Okay. So I know of that. Um, But I have to say, I don't know many specific Black female organizations out there. Out there. Um, Yeah, I guess. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say that my source for um, reference is actually Mm -hmm. reading. There's a lot of, you know, books out there. And I, the the way I see it is that we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us. So there's a lot to learn from history and, you know, the stuff that we're facing now, actually, um, I would say, if you look back in history, (laughs) there are lots of clues of how we can maybe go forward. So, um, yeah, you were going to say, sorry. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good statement about kind of looking back to history to helping us try to figure out charter path. The issues when when black-led practices come to bid for these opportunities, mm-hmm. there's a backstory already. There's a there's you know there's um, there's steps that we've already taken. So we come from different. We're not. You're when not we're bidding for this. Yeah. Yeah. When we're bidding for these opportunities, we're not from the same backgrounds. We we are black-led practices are essentially competing with middle-class. Yeah. <laughs> you know, practices that are from are led by people from middle-class backgrounds, mm-hmm. and that sort of presents a set of challenges for black-led and, practices. Yeah, and I was it, the first time you mentioned that to me, I thought that was really insightful. Where you were talking about the fact that you know, depending on where you've grown up and where you've um you know your contacts are you know chances are if you're competing against uh, sort of your white contemporaries who have maybe more access to say an uncle who has like a big architecture firm who there will therefore get all of the exposure that they need to kind of the bigger projects and then where you are coming from you know your contacts may not be quite as established or be able to give you such opportunities um, how you're able to then, if you're going to go and bid for the same type of, for this, for, for a position where you're going to be coming against those types of people, they're always going to have much more experience than you, right? So, yeah, because yeah. you essentially, you know, um, it's not necessarily, it's not really a true reflection of your design skills or your design yeah. expertise. It's when you're bidding, um, especially in this scenario, um, you're essentially asked to pick a couple of projects, one built or one unbuilt or whatever. And your portfolio, if you're black led practice, your portfolio is probably probably not as extensive as your white contemporaries. Yeah. So you're sort of, you know, your white contemporaries have a range of projects that they can choose. Mm-hmm. And you're just limited to your to your very, you know, to what you have. Mm-hmm. So that's already you already it's not a level playing field. You're already set back. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So let's take let's um, take you back to when you know how it all began you know in terms of your childhood and all of that, because all of these things inform how you've grown up and some of the some of the motivations that you have. And um, now, what were your own experiences sort of growing up, and how have they sort of shaped your decision making and you going into your own practice? I was born in France, 
and lived in Nigeria till the age of 10 and then moved to the UK. I have very strong female influences in my family. My gran was a, you know, entrepreneur. She had her own business, um, built her own properties in Nigeria. You know how it is. And um, my mom moved to the UK, essentially restarting her life again um, in the UK and building it back up. And so I, that's really influenced me as a woman, as a black woman. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, it set the, it set the, the sort of, I would say it set the bar quite high to yeah. say, to give me the, the feeling that I could achieve whatever I set out to do. Yeah. And plus, in addition to that, I went to a girls' school. So I went to a girls' secondary school mm-hmm. in, in East London. And that was an amazing school because it was a diverse group of students. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were always instilled with the idea that we could do whatever we could do, whatever we set out mm-hmm. to do. So, um, so when I walk into a room now, and I go networking, for example, mm-hmm. and when I say, you know, I'm Shadi Abdul, I'm an architect, and I get the look of shock, <laughs> followed by, oh, well done you. Mm-hmm. So when I get that, I'm just like, <laughs> um, it's, it's quite a matter of fact <laughs> that I'm an architect. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not a, I'm black, I'm a woman, but yeah, I am an architect, you know, don't, don't look shocked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I think yeah I would say that I've had very strong female black female influences Mm -hmm. and it's not easy being I mean I think I think we should I should I should touch on this Mm -hmm. the fact that you know at the moment we're talking about black lives matter and it's very much about race but I think for black women there's this other level this other um bubble of discrimination that we experience that's very Mm -hmm. different to black men and very different to white women and it's just it can create a set of circumstances both race and sexism Mm -hmm. that sort of tends to the way that we're seen by society can somehow feel that we're not you know it can be discriminatory I think when I'm in that those networking space it's like I'm having to want I'm having to convince people that I'm good enough yes And I think that's a construction generally. And, you know, um, having been to a few of the networking events, I totally resonate with what you're saying in that a lot of times you're in there and it's very male dominated, very white male dominated. And sometimes you're trying to find, because obviously networking is about um, making those, um, those initial contacts where, you know, you want to find something in common, right? That you can Mm. start to leverage off of your discussion. And if you're going to be talking about the weather or how your week was, then you're not going to really connect, right? So you need to sort of dig a bit deeper Absolutely. and then try and establish that mutual connection. It's very difficult when you're coming from an African black female background and then trying to yes. connect with like a white middle-aged guy, you know, like there's sometimes you'll be able to find some, when you do, you're almost relieved, like, oh, wow, finally we found something we can really connect on, right? So. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes there's a sort of um, difficulties that we face, but then, mm. you know, as long as you know your content, I think really content is king when it comes to networking events. As long as you know your content, you know what you're talking about, you have the experience and you're there. I think over time, you're able to establish yourself as a thought leader, at least to establish yourself as someone that, you know, has something to offer. Actually, I've, I, in the last... So I'd say in the last couple of years, networking has been actually fairly, um, fairly, it's kind of moved from being kind of, when I started out, it would be quite, um, 
an anxious sort of space to be yeah. to be in but it's gotten better in the last couple of years I actually do enjoy networking no, but good. I think for me it's not yes you can go out and network <laughs> but it's the converting those the the yeah the, um, conversations <laughs> into <laughs> actual sales. opportunities I think that's that's a different yeah. matter yeah, but exactly. I think in terms that's of conversing point. with white male you mm. know um directors I actually have gotten a lot you know that's now very much a breeze but it's that next bit of where yeah you know you're sitting down and actually talking about specifics mm-hmm. yeah that I think <laughs> that yeah that's still ongoing work let's say yeah. Well, yeah, at least you've gotten past the first stage. So I guess it's moving on to the on to the next. And in a way, it's almost like they are the gatekeepers of these big projects. So you're going to have to overcome that at some point. Although I must say, when it comes to the property space, a lot of women are coming up in that space. And it's another issue I feel like women have generally, this is just not a black or white issue, is that sort of being more braggish about what their achievements are. Because I feel like, guys, dominate that space they just know how to mm. brag and brag and you know you you just see all their list of accomplishments i feel like women sometimes we are in the background we're doing the work we're very strong but we're not necessarily out there um pushing that agenda because you know um but over time in more recent um years there have definitely been a lot more strong women in that space that are now visible so so mm. that's pretty you know that's pretty good and speaking of strong women, I can hear one about to enter my <laughs> my studio. <laughs> Hello, Tope. <laughs> well, I just dragged you into it, so you might as well. <laughs> um, and by the way, we're on Facebook Live, so okay. say hi. Hello, Facebook Live. <laughs> I can't see myself. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have to come in a little oh, bit. Oh, I see. Positions, yeah. Okay. Hello. Okay, go on. So right now, I'm talking with Shadi, and we're talking. Hello, hi there. Hi. Oh yes, so Shade Mitope. Hello, Shade. Tope is in the property Hi. space as well. She's a property mom, as we <laughs> <laughs> Good to meet you. <laughs> to meet you, Shade. So um and so when she was coming, I said if she meets us, that she should definitely join in in the conversation because we're kind of talking about black black women in the property space and the challenges that we face. So yeah. Shade is an architect. Okay. So Shade had explained to me some of the challenges that they faced um, as part of being an, um, uh, being an architect and and it was very insightful in that think about it when a middle-class white male for instance mm-hmm. has just finished his architecture degree or whatever guess who he has access to mm-hmm. his dad's friends course, who have yes. properties who have um, architecture firms mm-hmm. who have you know that they're already in that space mm-hmm. when you compare it to somebody who sort of grew up so immigrants basically. exactly immigrants or even people yeah. who live here who sort of kind of grew up like an economic exactly. circumstances are quite different yes you know so yeah. if you're comparing that to the type of exposure they're going to have when it comes to then comparing and competing to get these jobs then the type of projects that they are going to be you exposed know to. exposed to yeah. and submitting mm. there's going to be a vast difference mm. So it's just kind of how we're overcoming those challenges. And it's good that these things are being talked about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I just want to know your own views talk as somebody, you know, because I was saying that we live in a bubble in a sense. Mm-hmm. I realized that very much after everything that started happening, yeah. that we live in a sort of bubble, being that we grew up in Nigeria, yeah. we went to school, yeah. we didn't have that exposure. Yes. And coming here, we went straight into corporate. Yes. And I said, 
we could be facing the microaggressions, yeah. but none of that open in your face racism. Yes, yes. So I wanted to know what your well, I, I think that um, you know, like you said, we, we, mm -hmm. we're so, somewhat. I wouldn't say completely um, insulated from it, but we are mm -hmm. somewhat. Um, it was was somewhat kind of you know protected in a sense mm -hmm. because. Like you said, we uh, a lot of us have come from sort of middle class Nigerian backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We've had middle class to up middle to upper Nigerian class Nigerian standards of education. We've mm -hmm. come here into sort of some relatively good schools, yeah. and then we've sort of ended up working within you know the corporate sector. Corporate sector. It's not yeah. been as difficult. Again, we, we, it's all about the socioeconomical status, mm -hmm. really. I think you know it, it's 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 been relatively easy for us to also you know kind of mm. cross over and get into that space and be exposed so, to the yeah. same sort of thing maybe not to the same degree but the same kind of experience mm. that maybe some of the white middle class counterparts would have yeah. but it, you know there is always a sense anytime i walk into like maybe a pitch with a, a client maybe mm -hmm. a developer or maybe just meeting, making a new business relationship i don't know whether it's in my head or whether mm -hmm. i just whether it's, i'm just conscious of it there's i feel like i had to overcome a perception of expectation yes. Um, and then yeah. I find that when I do cross that barrier, sometimes when people are not as welcoming, I feel like maybe if I were lily white and, you know, mm. kind of, you know, have come up through maybe some corporate, real estate corporate yeah. organization, maybe, you know, ex um, access would have been easier. But I find okay. that when we do overcome that, I think it's pretty much yeah. level playing field exactly. because at the end of the day, it's about they want to make the money, yes. <laughs> you know, they want to make the money. They don't really care who's bringing the business. I think sometimes it's about us even getting the confidence to sort of make those approaches, yes. you know, it's and, true. and not outside yes, of exactly. our, our normal bubble. Yes. Because again, as, as a lot of, you know, black and ethnic minority um, entrepreneurs, sometimes we ourselves can, you know, want to work in our own little silos. Yes. yes. And I think sometimes we just need to shrug that off. Mm. Um, I'm not saying, I'm not minimizing whatever disadvantage we might be working yeah, against. Working against but yeah. I think that we need to, I don't think anybody's going to give us anything. I think we just yeah, need, we need to, to go, grab go it. and take it. <laughs> we need <laughs> to take what's we need ours. To take it. Sometimes in, in our attempt to take it, yeah. sometimes we might meet some resistance and some people that are openly yeah. kind of, you know, they're just not really interested. Yeah. A lot of other people would probably be like, well, you know, this is new. I remember when I started working in uh, even just real estate agents mm. forget about whatever i used to think it was only white people were allowed to work with estate agents because i just didn't see, <laughs> see a lot of black, yeah. black estate agents just even the ones that show you houses you know yeah. it just seemed to be such a white, white space. dominated yeah, space exactly that's getting a bit better now yeah it is getting better yeah. and i think also a lot of you know sort of inner london um boroughs maybe yeah. where there's a, a large representation of black and ethnic minority people that representation is starting to come across but mm. if you think about it look at some of people like foxtons have you ever seen the black i'm not sure <laughs> I don't I have, don't. And we've got, had a lot of experience. Yeah. we're not calling them out we're just saying you know as yeah. it is you know so i think we yeah. just need to go go for it yes. and not expect if we get a pushback mm -hmm. then just push through push through yeah, yeah. well done so yeah, so we are just having that discussion, you know, as black females in this property space, trying to trying to make a buck. <laughs> um, so how do you see black women, Shade? This is at you. Um, how do you see black women sort of progressing? What What are your thoughts about that? I think I mean I I just sort of see us more in leadership positions. I think mm -hmm. that's already happening, and that's really important that that continues to still happen mm -hmm. because we need younger black women young black girls to see us and for more of us to keep coming so that it's um 
it's yeah. not um, it's not a surprise when we say we're <laughs> property developers or property investors. Yeah. It's just matter of fact. Yes, yeah, absolutely. indeed, it's yeah. true. Because yeah. that surprise look she was mentioning while yeah. she was talking about how when she says she's a black architect, there's almost like, oh, well yeah, done exactly, you. Exactly, like, exactly. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. But yeah, so it needs to be, it doesn't need to be, you know, it doesn't need to be something that's so surprising anymore. It needs to be kind of the narrative. And, like, and yeah, the, more, the more we venture yeah. as, you know, black professionals, black young uh, female professionals, or we have black male professionals, mm -hmm. the more we venture into these, um, you know, these industries, the industry itself will become more used more to seeing used to, us, yes. you know, so the surprise is not necessarily because, oh, they're just trying to be surprised. Yes, they it's just really not enough of us, yes, you know, that's so. True. That's true. But anyway, so thank you. So I guess um, to come back to your career, because we kind of got completely off, we were talking about Shadi's um, journey in architecture. Um, so what is one mega goal that you have in terms of your practice? So you just rebranded. She has this amazing brand. Um, it's called Deft Space. And it's just even the way she created the brand. It's just really, really innovative. And I guess it goes towards the fact that you're an architect, right? So you have to be quite creative in the way you present. So I think your brand really represents you well. So, um, so what is a, what, what, what direction are you taking your business to? And what is a mega goal you hope to achieve? Um, from your business? At the moment, um, so I think for me it's been an interesting period with COVID. Um, I think that just COVID just just shows that there's so much work that we need to do and um, the inequalities that's been brought up, there's so much there's so much scope for an architect to get involved in these things. So I see myself getting involved more in public sector work um, for people. So my mega goal, I would say, is to do work that delivers meaningful change to people. Yeah. And um, I would like to do that for people that not only those that can afford it, but generally um, everyone. Yeah, yeah. So, so focus on not just the rich and the wealthy, but like, you know, creating spaces that, you know, it should be something that everybody has access to, right? It shouldn't just be... But anyway, so well done, uh, Shade, and definitely enjoyed speaking with you, enjoyed uh, finding out more about your own sort of your journey and your walk in uh, setting up your business. So, so hope to hear more from you. I'm also joined by my fellow friend and property mom, who we're always working together. That's Tokbe Omojua. Uh, sorry. Oh my it's God, okay. <laughs> Fashola, sorry, okay. Fashola, and she's from Scion Realty. She also has her own practice or her own real yeah. estate yeah. company, and she focuses more on acquisitions and all things property investing as well. So I'm Property Mom, so check out at Property Mom UK for my Instagram handle, and my website is propertymom.co.uk, and there I'm always trying to put out content and put out different things to enrich and um, educate people on property investing. So I uh, hope you got good value from us sort of talking about our experiences as black women in this property space. And um, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, do subscribe to the podcast. And um, next week, I'll be, it'll probably be a solo next week because I've had a few um, interviews over the past three weeks. So continue to do well in life and build assets. <laughs> and stay safe. <laughs>